You're listening to The Profile. Hi, welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing Christian leaders in the church and charity worlds and in the wider culture. It was John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence for God, whether in the home, at church, in your workplace or elsewhere. The show is brought to you by Premier Christianity magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. Armies have them. Hospitals have them, prisons have them, and universities have them. Some football clubs, schools, and supermarkets have them. If you haven't worked it out, I'm talking about chaplains, people who provide something of a bridge between the non-believing world and the church. It's a form of leadership that requires Christians to be sensitive to the needs of their community while holding firmly to the faith. And I'm joined this week by Keith Foster, who heads up the Contemporary Chaplaincy Programme at Waverley Abbey College. I'm looking forward to talking to him about this key role and why it's come to the fore in recent years. So welcome, Keith, to the Leadership Show. Be here, Andy. Uh, great great to have you. Um, so tell me about your journey to leadership, first of all. Oh, gosh. Well, um, uh, yes, I um, didn't grow up in church, but I became a Christian at 16. It's very Then fast forward through the military, etc. as a Christian, up and down. And then joined a local church uh, when I was at some stability where we lived. <laughs> um, and then um, got kind of the gifting came through there. I mean, people, Other people saw that, ended up on elder teams. And then just felt like call, actually, very early on as a very young teenager, just to some sort of um, ministry. I didn't know what it really was. And that ended up as uh, being an associate pastor in a church that I'd been uh, after being an elder for 15 years in a church that I'd been a member of for many, many years, my wife and I. And then ended up in in, in a senior teaching pastor role, etc. So since they're kind of probably about the age of about 28, um, I'm, I'm much older than that now. <laughs> um, yes, it, there was a kind of, you know, it just how the Lord evolved that really. And, and obviously sometimes you find uh, vicars and ministers who end up having a chaplaincy role uh, where they happen to be alongside their work. Is that what happened with you or is it some sort of other route to chaplaincy? Definitely, because I always had a passion for the uh, almost pre-ecclesial work, the stuff, you know, most people weren't planning anytime soon to come into the church buildings that I was in. And so it was around even in industry. I, I didn't I wasn't paid to be a Christian until I was 40, if you want to put it that way. Um, so in industry, I used to set up Christian groups and just really loved being that presence, uh, in, in, touchable presence in the world for people to have that faith inquiry. So, yeah, for me. And then when I when I got taken on as an associate pastor in, in the church in, in Portsmouth, um, it became I was mainly community pastoring and that's when the chaplain the more formal chaplaincy role in secondary school and in the local community started to emerge yeah and I guess many people will have this image of chaplaincy that I alluded to in my introduction uh, yeah people know about a, an army chaplain or a hospital chaplain or whatever um, do you have a definition you kind of work with at uh, Waverley College 
be honest, Andy, because the breadth of chaplaincy, as you, as you already indicated, we, we, there's the more formal pictures in our mind, the more traditional pictures, perhaps, in the hospitals, the armed forces and in prisons. But actually, you know, even on our courses, we have people, narrowboat chaplains who live on a narrowboat, you know, sail up and down canals and chaplain the narrowboat community, people in in addiction project you know projects uh, suicide intervention if i can say uh, schools universities so one definition to catch all i guess as far as models of chaplaincy i mean we look at 17 on the course that we run and you know it's about being visible and available i think if i was to pick something like that, even out of scripture it might be where paul says to the thessalonians you know we did declare the gospel to you but we gave our very selves to you as well and so a chaplain is someone who gives themselves to a community and, and is an ambassador really for Christ. And do you, do these people typically have the title of chaplain with the which the community knows about? That would be a, the normal approach. In other words, they have a role within that community. A lot of it is probably a little bit stealth in the sense of not all, not everyone has a badge. I think a lot of people come to us for training, and and they often say to me, you know, I've been doing this for years, okay. but I didn't quite know what it was. And, and this is put in the framework, the course, and it's the things we do. It's put in the framework and the language to it and, and given it a, a type of recognition, really. Yeah. Uh, and so t- tell me about Waverley Abbey College. Obviously, I'm I'm familiar with it because I, I used to work at the, the, you know, the forerunner to the charity Waverley Abbey Trust. I was at CWR. So uh, I'm, I'm, you know, and I just to declare for listeners, I'm, you know, very much warm towards this, uh, what you're doing. But um, many people won't be aware of Waverley Abbey College and particularly not of the chaplaincy. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously it was it was birthed out of the vision of Selwyn Hughes in the sense of CWR, Everyday with Jesus. Pretty much most people have heard something around that. And uh, traditionally and, and initially it was uh, it, it birthed counselling courses and that was that was what Selwyn really did was he he really wanted to put a Christian voice into the counselling arena, which was fantastic and still does, and it's still very, very popular. But it's kind of expanded over the years and over, I'd say, over the last half a dozen plus years into spiritual formation, uh, chaplaincy, et cetera, on the ground. It's the last couple of years where really we've seen this gap for people who are are, are, are God's presence, but they're not they're not formally recognized as chaplains or they might not want to, necess- want to necessarily go through, you know, a three year course, whatever it might be. So it's kind of evolved as, as I think we've been led to um, develop a, a training uh, arm and 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 various offerings for for that community, really. Uh, and so, what kind of learning do people commit themselves to? Okay, so there's different aspects of for with Waverley as far as if someone wants to be a chaplain, we get chaplains who've been chaplains for years and who've already got they don't want to do any more theology as such, not per se, but they want to be tooled up again. They want to be refreshed, and so there's all sorts of courses we do. The contemporary chaplaincy course is really a toolkit. It's a bit like we we're developing Swiss Army knives. We like to give that metaphor of people. And there's some, if you've ever had a Swiss Army knife, there's some things on there you don't even recognise. What on earth is that tool? You know, can't imagine using it. Others are recognisable right away. Um, we don't know what our job is to train a, a breadth of chaplains across the whole, what I'd call regulated and non-regulated sector, from the hospitals right through sports clubs, etc., intervention projects. And to give them a toolkit that over time, in incorporation with the Holy Spirit himself, 
they will uh, learn to use those tools. So that's the contemporary offering. And that goes right through to postgraduate level. There are some people who want more formal theological training and qualification for some of the more regulated sectors. So we offer postgraduate certificate and chaplaincy uh, as part of our MA programme as well. So there is a whole range of offerings to equip people in various sectors. And, and so some there'll be some teaching, some essay writing, some research on on the kind of background that they may be interested in so they can make it personal to their own situation, uh, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And actually on the Contemporary Chapter School, which is online, it's a 30-week online course, um, they have to have a placement. So they can't be a general without an army. This isn't about sitting in your bedroom and learning about another subject called chaplaincy and putting it on the list with all the other things we've studied in life. This is about actually, you know, being hearers and doers. And so all of our chaplains, if they haven't already, uh, some come with in the context already, but we encourage them into a, a working uh, ministry context as well. So they can apply each week the homework that they are given, particularly on the contemporary course. Yeah. Uh, and the kind of age profile, uh, I imagine this isn't particularly something for someone in their late teens or 20s. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. We are increasingly getting a lot of people who are working with younger groups okay. in all sorts of ways, you know, scenarios. And, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, an intake of 48 new trainees. And um, certainly it's not the major sort of offering, but I would say around about 10% are in the 20s. Okay. Um, you know, maybe university chaplains working, you know, they just feel connected to that sort of age range and group. But you're absolutely right. It goes right through. I mean, the oldest we've had on there are people who've had using it as a second kind of um, vein of service, chapter of service. Maybe they've been professional in the past. They've been a GP or a teacher or something and a bit of a Caleb spirit. You know, I feel I feel just as good now as I ever did. And, yes. you know, they want to they really feel called to be trained into their. So the oldest student we've had, for example, you know, is about 76 years old um, and the youngest is probably about 22. So it's, right, <laughs> so, sure. so, so it's fascinating. It really is. Uh, and Keith, have you any view on there seems to be a rise in the understanding and value of chaplaincy. Any, any thoughts on why that might be within say uk society i mean people listen to this from across the world but we're particularly focusing on uk obviously we do have about 10 percent of our students online are international students okay yeah. so, so there is an international sort of temperature of oh. you know people are talking using the word crisis a lot and I, I know it can be overused but there is a, a spiritual economic and social crisis i still feel certainly moving out of the pandemic we don't want to give that any more airtime than it needs but actually i think that really sharpened people's awareness what it did in some ways positively was cause people to stop and think about who they were and the value of having people alongside them doing that mental health check, et cetera. And so what we're finding is there's a, people are realizing they might not call it chaplaincy. So I'm a chaplain of a running club and they would call that, they would put that under well-being. You right. know, I joined a running club two years ago and, and after a year I said, have you got a chaplain? And they said to me, well, what's a chaplain? And so <laughs> right. we, we, when they realized it was actually well-being, a lot of that, you know, plus, you know, the extra dimension of spirituality for those who would inquire. Then, you know, they then said, yes, great, we'd love you to do that. And so, but there is a thirst I'm finding across, the, you know, industry, workplace chaplains, sports clubs, everything, police, all the, the whole thing. You know, people are under pressure and it's having that local person who's just visible and available, um, who 
really is is being prepared the best they can to be Christ ambassador in that place. Heath is a um, a kind of tricky dimension to discuss, and that is the the evangelization element of things. I say it's tricky because a lot of Christians will go into this keen to share their faith, see people come to faith, and hopefully that happens. Obviously, there's also the sense in which some of these groupings may not necessarily be having a chaplain for that reason. So there's there's not always a meeting between the you know say an industry is not going to be inviting a chaplain to share the gospel particularly they are inviting the person in with a, a kind of a, a godly presence perhaps because they value who they are so talk talk to me about the, the the intricacies of all that whether this is an evangelistic tool or not yeah i mean we, we address this head on in one of the modules as well we look at understanding faith and non-faith contexts in in one of the modules on the course and um, absolutely, there are some organisations that specifically prohibit pro- what they call proselytization. Absolutely. You know, and, and so, you know, those with multi-faith arenas, et cetera, et cetera. And all, all, you know, maybe hospitals or universities in the airports, things like this. And we train all of those. And we have, you know, chaplains from Heathrow, all sorts of airports, et cetera. And uh, the key thing is about being visible and available. And we look at the theology of actually what God is up to in the world. He's not phased by the barriers of organizations. And it's about being wise with with what we say and what we don't say and trusting that God opens hearts. And what we do, actually, we do a number of studies from scripture within the module. So the classic one we do is, is making a difference, looking at the life of Daniel. Now, Daniel lived in a fairly strict, regulated organ, you know, society in Babylon. It was uh, If you stepped out of place there, the consequences could be quite harsh. It involved lions and sort of fairnesses and things. And um, so it's a fantastic study. We look at as far as how God's at work. And, and when we look at a certain theology about that, about a missio day, God already at work in the sector that he's placed us. And how do we discern what God is up to? Maintain the absolutely, our absoluteness as a Christ follower and always be prepared to give that apologia, as the word that Peter uses in 1 Peter 15, to give you know, the reason for the hope within us. So we talk an awful lot and we look at it, but with gentleness and respect, and so the chaplain embeds themselves, adds value to their organization. The people know you love them and really value the organization culturally. And then often that is a seedbed of inquiry. And as God puts faith inquiry in the hearts and lives of those around us, it's like it did in Daniel's time, you know, in all sorts of people in scripture, then we see that opportunity to give that apology. So, but that's the Lord's arena. We can't create and manufacture that usually goes terribly wrong so that's what we tend to train as far as how can we keep in steps to seek those opportunities yet not get impatient in the process sure uh, and keith i'll put you on the spot a little bit but can you uh, can I illustrate from your own chaplaincy work maybe a journey that someone took or uh, to to being more open to faith perhaps so when I became a chaplain of the running club a year ago, um, I run with the running club on a Thursday night and we run typically about 10 kilometres, just really briefly. And over 10 kilometres, you those of you who are runners out there will know, you probably chat with four or five maybe individuals over the over the time you run, you know, and that may be for a kilometre at a time. But as you move within the group, 
And there was one particular chat, one week, he just said to me, you know, I was running along the first time I'd ever seen him. It was, I think it was his first time at the club. I said, How? I just simply asked a question. Questions are great. Let's not give people lots of information. Ask a question. How are you doing? And he just said, actually, I'm doing very well. I, I, I'm just not doing very well today. Wouldn't give any more information. Typical guy. And so the next day, he was part of the running group, social media clubs group. I messaged him and said, just to let you know, how are you doing today? Just thinking about you today. Then we agreed about two, three weeks later to pop out just for a drink together, a chat. And then um, he just basically said to me, three weeks ago when we ran together, he said, do you remember? I said, of course I do. You know? And he said, actually, he said, I wasn't very truthful with you. He said, on the way home from work that day, things hadn't been going very well. He said, and I wanted to actually, you know, forgive me for this, Andy, but he said, I wanted to drive off the road. Oh, yeah. And he said, and when you just, I said, I just sort of said, I don't know who I said it to, he said, but when you said, how are you? He said, I said on the way to the running club, if someone really cares. And he says, you asking me that. And since then, we've been out several, several times. We run together every week. It just, just me and him, actually, we run together another time on our own. And we chat away. And he, we've, I've shared the full gospel. But that's not just you know second meeting. This was about him saying, can I ask you a question? And it, the Lord has put an inquiring spirit. He hasn't fallen on the floor. And, and, and repented and done all the things that we like to sort of see as crisis conversion people. But actually, I can see the Lord putting an inquiring spirit. And that's just one example of just running, being visible, being available, and asking a, a very basic question about how you're doing. No, oh, that's, that's terrific to, to hear, Keith. Um, Keith, do you, do you think churches have embraced the concept of chaplaincy well? Have you been encouraged by, with your connection with local churches or do you think it's this is largely individuals who have come to you and said yeah i i i want to be involved in this i don't necessarily think there's a church movement of, of chaplaincy um i think they're getting there but largely it's individuals that are being moved by the holy spirit and seeking then the backing of their their churches but even then so often it can be something that oh that's something john does out there or or, or, or mary does out there or, or whoever it is or you know it, and so it our vision at waverley is to see every church have a counselor and a chaplain that they could actually make visible and available for their communities and imagine that movement that had that that would be fantastic and we're ready willing and available to train those people and so i don't think we're there yet I think there is a movement happening, but no, we're not there yet at all. And obviously, your your view would be that actually, when the as the church has struggled numerically, uh, certainly in recent years, um, and as there's a, an increase in openness to spirituality, certainly amongst the youth, um, then this could be a, a great way of bridging the gap between the two. Oh, completely. And I, I believe, the Lord, you know, the Lord raises up people. He puts it in our heart for a people group. And that can be the elderly as well. We have a lot of people who've got a passion for the elderly, you know, chaplains who work amongst those who, you know, are possibly in the final chapters of their lives. And it's a beautiful work. And so what we do need is people with a heart. Yes, for there's a new growth of chaplains in primary schools secondary but right through to those who are perhaps in their final years and so the need is across the board and yes including young people without a doubt um if someone wanted to investigate this a bit further other other kind of classic chaplaincy textbooks that they could go to or uh before maybe coming to you 
Yeah, I mean, there are. I would say a nice, easy readable one is is a theology of Christian chaplaincy is is, is a nice one. And that, the reason I, I mentioned that one is because it's um, it just it's an editorial. And it actually uh, has various contributions from from different uh, authors, um, and it's it's written by three people: um, Caperon, Todd, and Walters. Theology of Christian Chaplaincy, and it, it, it literally, as as you search for it, it's got a nice cartoon yellow cross on the front, and it's 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 a fairly thin book with different chapters on different subjects, so you can pick it up, put it down, and there's bound to be a chapter or two or three that will appeal to you, and it gives a taste and an insight into some of the challenges of chaplaincy. But yeah, there's lots we can read on it, and there's lots of free resources online. Uh, do obviously visit our website as well. Um, it's just really um, helpful, but there's an awful lot of stuff. Yeah, out there. And, and Keith, uh, do you have particular term time? So if someone was interested in signing up, would they, they start with a particular time of the year? How does it kind of work? So basically it's online, so it's it's on Zoom, but it's incredibly connected. And we have three live intakes a year, which is September, January and April. And so the next one is at the end of January. But also we've developed because there are lots of people out there who simply cannot commit to two hours a week on Zoom for 30 weeks. They can't do it. And so we have a self-paced version where people can do exactly the same course, exactly the same assignments and challenges and homework with a placement, but have a support tutor. They do that at their own pace. We actually have some people who do that because what the country where they are living restricts their ability to actually do a regular group, either because of the time difference or because actually it could even be a persecuted country. So we're privileged as an organization to be supporting even secret chaplains in places where actually it, it's not, you know, it's, it's not allowed. It's not, it's, it's forbidden to, to, to have that sort of role. And we're really, really pleased and blessed to be supporting those people in those places. Fabulous, Keith. Uh, and so can you just remind me of the spelling of uh, the names of that uh, Theology of Chaplaincy book? Yes, it's the, the, the actual um, names of the authors is Caperon. C-A-P-E-R-O-N. Yep. Uh, Todd, T-O-D-D. Yeah. And Walters, W-A-L-T-E-R-S. And, and um, it's published it, it, by... It, um, it slips my mind, but if you actually Google it, honestly, Amazon, that Google it, whatever, there are other Sorry, good Sorry, I put you on the spot. Sites. Sorry, yes. There are other good book searching sites as well as Amazon, but <laughs> if you actually go onto that one, you will see a nice yellow cross, uh, you know, cartoon uh, sort of yellow cross on there. It's it, it's the only one that's got those three authors with a Christian theology of Chaplaincy. You'll be fine. Brilliant. Well, Keith, it's been terrific to chat with you. And... Um, yeah, let's let's pray and hope that this is a indeed a the start of something very exciting across our nation as uh, people engage in that that important overlap between the quotes the church and the world and chaplaincy is very much that important role. So thank you so much. No, it's great, and I would say just pop onto waverleyabbeycollege.ac.uk and just have a look at the, the the range of courses. Send me an email. I'll always have an informal chat. You know, no one has to commit to anything. If it's just a bit about advice and how do I start, then I'd be delighted to hear from anyone. So is that keith.foster at Waverley? My email, yeah, my email is keith.foster at waverleyabbeycollege.ac.uk. If you just want to look at the website and not email me, just just www.waverleyabbeycollege.ac.uk will grab get you to the and if you forget all that just google waverley abbey college and you'll land on us somewhere so well, okay thank you so much for your time and for your insight and uh, maybe this has been an inspiration for some listening to get engaged uh, very formally in what you're doing so thank you yeah bless you thank you very much
It was good to chat with Keith Foster, who runs the chaplaincy work at Waverley Abbey College. As we were wrapping up, I mentioned the hope that this would encourage a, a new venture within the UK. I didn't mean to apply, of course, that chaplaincy itself was new. Chaplaincy has been around for many, many decades. But in as much as this is a new course providing lots of avenues for different kinds of chaplaincy, then it's hoped that Christians in leadership might find this a, a flourishing place to, to be, uh, perhaps alongside uh, local church work as well. Keith mentioned uh, a book, A Christian Theology of Chaplaincy by Andrew Todd, James Walters and John Caperon, and it's published by Jessica Kingsley Publishers. So that'll be a great place to find out a little bit more if you're interested in this particular topic. It's my joy to host uh, this show, and I'm always keen to hear of possible guests that you may have or topics that you'd like me to record a show on. So do please email me, andy.peck at premier.org.uk. I'd be happy to uh, reply to any uh, emails that I receive. So this is Andy Peck thanking you for your company and looking forward very much, I hope, to the next time. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.